today, ladies and gentlemen, we are interviewing Patrick Bukusis, a man who has 45 years experience in the sales industry, selling everything from mining equipment to some sort of electricity system to the entire government for $60 million. Uh, this is one of the most tangibly valuable podcasts I believe I've done altogether and so many nuggets of wisdom on how to create a sale, an environment for a sale, how to create great relationships and to really sell with authenticity, with ethics and with transparency. You will freaking love this one, guys. Here's Patrick Bacusis on Coaches to the Moon. This is Coaches to the Moon, the only podcast you need to skyrocket your coaching business and create true impact on the world. Here's your host, Alex Morris. Welcome back to the Coaches to the Moon podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Fifth podcast for the week. I'm here today with Patrick Bukusis or Bukusis. He's a sales coach up from Bridge uh, Vegas in Queensland there. And he's got well over 20 years experience of running businesses, coaching sales teams, building sales teams, and is now coaching sales online as the sales natural. Patrick, thank you for being here. Thanks, Alex. It's a pleasure. It is. It's a lot of fun. I love yep. the variety of people we get to meet uh, through this podcasting thing that's just arrived in our lives over the past few years. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're trying to flatter me there with just the 20 years, but actually I've actually a few more than 20 years. <laughs> I said, I said I, well over because I wasn't oh, sure. That's, where. <laughs> right. that's all right. Yeah, that's very gracious of you. <laughs> Thank you. It's, uh, well, what's, the, what's the truth? How, how many years has it well, been? Well, Probably, probably more like 40, 45. Yeah. Goodness gracious yeah, me. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Well, well, still well over 20. <laughs> still well over 20. Well, well you, over. You, you do, you've done a lot of B2B sales. Uh, yeah. You started in lots of bigger, bigger businesses. I'd love to just kick this off with something fun. What can you tell us about the biggest deal you ever closed? Um, $60 million um uh, enterprise system to whole of government electricity commission um i wasn't in fact the principal i was a, a sort of a subcontractor to the principal but but i formulated the sales strategy and i actually won i actually won the business for them so yeah that would be the biggest i think wow and how, how does that uh how does that feel landing it like getting a phone call or the email saying yeah we've signed the, the dotted line on 60 million dollars it was it was it was great, uh, but frankly, we knew we were going to win it, and that's the point. That's the point, right? You engage in sales that you're going to win, and so we strategized to win it. It it was um, a full twelve month sort of campaign, um, but frankly, um, in my first discussion with them in the first two hours, I I said we're going to win this. Uh, that sounds wow. arrogant. Um, but really when you know what you're looking for in terms of the ideal opportunity and what your capability is and the status of your competitors, then um, that's what you operate from, right? And so from there on, you just continue to prove it to yourself and do the things that are necessary to win. That's great. That's uh, and, very exciting. And go in for deals that you know you're going to win is a very cool way of, of looking at it you don't go into them knowing that but i mean the first thing is to qualify the opportunity in terms mm -hmm. of can i be a value to this organization and then more importantly it's about the people and i guess in that i was fortunate with that first in, in discussion i got a good insight into the people the mentality and, and what i picked up on 
was that in 12 months of looking, they hadn't really seen anything. Other vendors had been in there for 12 months and whatever, and I could just tell they hadn't really they hadn't really gotten across the line. They still hadn't seen what they wanted. And I thought, okay, I think I've got an opportunity. And we had a similar client in the UK, the national grid, actually, in the UK. The, there was a solution there that we'd implement. I thought, I think this will fit these guys. And uh, flew a guy out from the UK and uh, had a meeting with them. And on the basis of how that meeting went, I thought, yeah, yeah. In the they, bag. They, they, were, they, were, they were enthusiastic. We just had to do everything. It was ours to lose then, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you more of a fan of big, long sales campaigns with lots of moving parts? Or do you still like a handshake deal, just you and one person on the phone? Uh, it, my life's always been complex sales, mm. which are multiple decision makers, lots of movies, a bit like herding cats, right? Uh, <laughs> all, all motivated separately, all with different perceptions of value. That's, that's how I've always operated. And that's what I most enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, not necessarily the fact that it's long. You, you, you obviously would like a shorter sales cycle. You try to have a shorter sales cycle as possible. It just so happens that practically it can take a long time to make some of those sorts of decisions they need to make. And plenty of opportunity for you to slip up, of course. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? There's, um, is there ever a point where you you keep selling past the point of a deal being closed, and then you you, you end up losing it? Yeah, and and I would I would venture a guess that it happens in about fifty percent of cases for typical using typical sales processes, because and that's the trouble with traditional selling, as I call it, where they're focused on their sales process, they're not actually in the buyer's head. And the trick to be, that's not a trick, but to sell effectively, you need to live in the buyer's world, in the buyer's head and see it from their point of view. And if you do that, then you'll exit when you know you can't win it a long time before a lot of others stay in. Where more traditional sellers are sort of focused on, I must sell this. And they keep trying to find ways to convince the buyer when it's a case of, look, they're not going to buy from you. And you need to know that and get out. So part of the trick of selling is to qualify, know how to qualify, which you can win. Yeah. So that's kind of the basis of your same page selling method, right? Your that's signature right. system. Are we on the same page with this person? Can I get a deal out of them? Yeah. Yeah. And at the first engagement, yes, it's a case of, can I get onto the same page as this person? And if you can't get onto the same page, you know, you just, there's not a meeting of the minds, then that's a good reason to, to get out. Because really selling is about people. It's not about products and services. So I think what well, the big challenge for salespeople is they tend to think their product or service is a really good fit. And so that's what makes them stay there. When in fact, it doesn't really matter how good the fit is. What matters is how good you are as a fit for the buyer. You know, if you're on the same page, then you're going to be able to get there. Um, but if you're not, then you can't gain that trust. You can't gain the insights. You can't be of value. Then, then quit and get into something where you know, your efforts will bear fruit. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's pretty typical for a lot of people new in business. I know for sure in the coaching space, everyone's starting out. We've all got a program. We've all got a dream. We need clients. A lot of us have sold people who are wrong into programs by pushing too hard or taking people on that we know are wrong because we want the cash flow. And then it, all falls apart when the person wants a refund or it's a bit of a toxic, you know, client and coach relationship there. What's, 
a um, what what are some red flags for you to disqualify someone within that first meeting? Well, I guess that where my conversation starts with them is to understand what their end game is, what their destination is. You know, you remember in the days of paper maps, <laughs> that's a while ago, uh, the, the street directory, when you were figuring out where you wanted to go, what you did first was you looked at the destination, right? And then you worked your way back to where you were. But so most salespeople, though, start with where they're at. They talk to a buyer about what are the needs, you know, where are you at? And they try to think in terms of, well, how to take them forward. Where, in fact, the better strategy is to explore what is the aspiration and understand, well, where do you want to end up? What's the outcome? Let's just put the needs aside. What is the outcome you want to achieve? Mm. And then work back from that, from the result. And um, so that's that's where, where I would determine. If the buyer, typically the buyer uh, it will engage in that conversation. And often you're the only salesperson that's having it. Everyone starts talking about needs. And typically, they start saying, oh, we just like to understand, you know, your needs, which the buyer here is, hears as, I just like to understand what I might be able to sell you. Yeah. you know, as soon as you say that, he gets a dose of commission breath. Um, instead of saying, when, when this is working the way you would like it to be, what will that look like? And that's about them. It's not about you, Right. And they, they, no one's asked them that before. And so, well, that's a good question. And so you have that aspirational conversation. So, so what's got to happen for you to get that? And what do you see the risk or whatever? And so have a conversation about that. And if you can get engaged in that type of conversation, then your chances of uh, ultimately making a sale are very high. Reverse engineering from their, the end result that they want. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. yes. And do you think there's any merit into once you learn the end result coming back and then digging a little bit into what they don't like about their current reality? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because the conversation naturally goes, you know, you can end up in the situation, well, maybe you can't get there from here. You know what I mean? But, um, and oftentimes that's the case. Oftentimes the perception of what they needed to do, their needs aren't right. You know, I'm mindful of, for example, a good lesson that I had once, um, I designed my own house. This was many years ago, first house I built. And I got an architect, I got a, a draft person to draw up the plan. And, and I invited four builders to come and give me a quote. And three builders came and gave me a quote. And the fourth builder said, can I come out? Can you show me a block of land? And I said, yeah, I took him out to the block of land. And he looked at the land. And he said, well, your plan's crap. And I said, what made you decide to put this house on this block of land and he started asking me questions about my lifestyle long story short i got that builder to design a house and i went with him he wasn't interested in selling me a house he was interested in me having a home that i wanted to live in and he wanted to understand my lifestyle and that's that's why i bought from him so i think the the effective the the, the suggestion i would make to salespeople is understand the outcomes that people want, understand the experience that they want to have after they have whatever it is they want to buy and give them that, show them how they can have that. And then, then they will want to buy with you. Now, you may not know exactly how to do that, by the way, but the very fact that you understand, they'll go on the journey with you to explore how they might be able to have that. And on that journey, they come to trust you. Mm. And if, if you can sort of help, so I use the doctor analogy, you know, 
why do you choose a doctor? Why do you trust a doctor? It's based on their diagnosis, isn't it? Not not the cure. You don't know if they can cure you. Yeah. You just assume that they can because, well, he's asking all the right questions and understands how you feel. And Alex, when that happens, do, do, you, do you find you get this pressure in your chest and Alex is going, yeah, 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 yeah. You're convinced then that guy can cure you because he understands you. And that's the trick, or not the trick, I should keep saying that. That's the science of selling. It's not about the cure, which most salespeople talk about. It's about understanding the problem. Wow. I like that you keep avoiding the term trick because yeah, yeah. I feel like in sales, there's a lot of trickery out there. Yes. Everything yes. from you know using NLP to mirror people's body language and gain yes. rapport or to... I, I hate the, the manager clothes. Let me check with my manager. And then you pretend to talk to someone yes. to see if you can give this person yes. a fake discount. Feels yes. very sticky to me. Feels very slimy. And I don't like it. And in my marketing company, we talk about authenticity an awful lot. You've got to market yourself as who you are because otherwise people will figure out that you're full of shit. And so um, how did, you know, your, your system is all about selling transparently um authentically ethically how and why did you make that choice in your method of sales and coaching because it worked perfect <laughs> perfect it's it, uh, it's not necessarily where i started it's where i ended up yeah um i had i had some sort of salutary lessons i mean where i focus a lot is on value and my very first lesson, I guess, uh, was about value. You know, I, I was in a, um, as an early salesperson, I was selling mining construction machinery mm-hmm. and I was working with a, um, a quarry owner selling him a new front end loader. It was about a hundred thousand dollar machine. And I knew I had the best machine and he knew I had the best machine. And I knew he was really keen on buying it. Right. And he didn't have a trade in and I was on list price. And he said, look, he said, can you, can you just throw in this accessory? You know, it's, it's, I said, that's $1,500. I said, yeah, come on, you're on, you're on list price. I don't have a trade. Surely you can throw in that $1,500 accessory. And I said, oh, no, come on. I said, all right, well, I'll go halves. Okay. So he said, well, I've got to check with my finance. Come back tomorrow. So I went back the next day and, um, and I said, okay, hey, how'd you go with your finance? He said, I've given the order to your competitor to name the company. I said, wow, what happened there? He said, you, you arrogant. He said, you were on list price, you know, all I asked was a $1,500 gimme and you wouldn't give me that. And he said, you needed to be learned. You need to be taught a lesson. And he bought a machine he knew that was patently not as good. Wow. And what was the lesson I learned? Well, value is whatever he believes it to be. And to him, it was his manhood. And I dissed him. Wow. And, and that, that was why it wasn't to do with the value of my product. It wasn't to do It was just that I dissed him. I, I, you know what I mean? So, and I go, wow. And so that's the point at which I understood that value is whatever the buyer thinks it is. It's not what I think it is. It's what the buyer thinks it is. And that's the whole key, I think, to selling is to understand buyer perceptions of value and then be the, become the source of that value. That's a huge quote there. <laughs> Massive quote, Patrick. And I, I guess that... um you said you were quite young when you had that experience. And I guess that was a bit of a young man feeling like you're a bit of a hot shot selling this big equipment. And then, you know, you got a more experienced older guy and hates being talked down to by a little shit like you. I've Absolutely. been, I've been that guy plenty of times. And uh, so, so 
you know, obviously a lot of sales experience comes with life experience. Do you think that you can still apply these techniques in your, you know, early twenties and, and be a hotshot salesperson authentically? I don't think that works. I mean, the gift of the gab and all, and, and by the way, when I started it, it was easier because that was pre-internet, you know, mm. and, and buyers were therefore dependent on salespeople for information. Yeah. The internet changed all of that. So what happened was that the buyer, buyers could now have got a ubiquitous source of information. So they don't need walking catalogs. They don't need salespeople that, that sort of spray them with product, not product information. What they, want to, what they need is someone that can help them think. And here's what, here really what they need. They don't need answers so much as any amount of information. What they need to know is what questions do I need to ask? Mm. What do I need to ask to make sure I solve this problem? And so again, with coaches, it's a case of, well, what is it you need to learn? What is it you need to know to be more effective? It's more about the questions you ask than the answers that you provide. You help them, empower them to think through their problem and arrive at a solution. I'm going to, I'm going to be sitting here silently after a lot of your uh, little sound bites there just to absorb them because they're, they're so good, man. These, this is a, a, and very, very different to the way I've learned to quote close in the past. Well, here's, a, here's an example. As I said, most sales exercises start with a needs discovery, you know. So here's a very simple example of the difference between needs discovery and value discovery. Um, okay, so you walk into the store and, um, okay, so what are you looking for in a mobile phone? That's a needs discovery question, right? Mm -hmm. If you walk into the store and I say, Alex, when you got, imagine you've got this new phone. Um, tell me about the experience of using it. What are you going to be able to do that you can't do now? That's a value discovery question. I would get a completely separate, different answer to that than I will to that needs discovery. That the value discovery, we're going to have a conversation. You're probably going to say, oh, I'm not really sure. And say, well, I mean, you know, phone calls, SMSs. How do you use your phone? Tell me about that. And we'd have a conversation, right? And then we would engage you would feel more comfortable with me because I'm not trying to sell you something as soon as you say, oh, I want this. And I would say, oh, you need that. No, none of that. I would just help you make your own decision. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And I think the power to, to sit back and let someone sell themselves is, is a confidence thing that you get later on in life. And uh, not, not an easy one to, to say balls in your court now, F figure it out because it's, it's, we hate to let people leave the store or hang up the phone yeah. or. Yeah. But I mean, anyone that's got teenage kids knows that, you know, telling them what they need, how does that work? I wouldn't know yet. My kids are 18 months <laughs> old, but uh, they don't listen to a freaking word. Well, I reflect say. on when you were a teenager, which probably which wasn't that long ago. Man. So longer ago than for me, at least. I mean, yeah. the point is that they have to make the decision for their reasons, don't they? Yes. And so really working with teenage kids, it's a case of helping them come up with the idea. Mm. And similarly with buyers. It's yeah. not a case of them accepting your idea. It's a case of helping them come up with their idea. Yes. Yes. I love that. And in terms of when people do give you lines like, oh, let me think about it, let me shop around, that sort of thing. We all know fortunes in follow-up, or at least maybe I believe that. Maybe you believe something different. But in your opinion, is there a point where you turn from, uh, you know, being a good customer service and following them up because you believe it's going to help to when you turn into a, a pest and you're just harassing someone? How do you, you know, 
how, how do you notice the line from when follow-up is too much? Okay. I, I actually think that's reasonably simple. Mm-hmm. Um, in every engagement, um, you need to be a value to the buyer. I, the, the traditional sales model is we contact people because of what we need to know ourselves. So we ring them because I need to know what you need and I'm following you up because I need to make a sale. It's all about us. Instead, you need to ask, before you pick the phone up, what value is this person going to get out of me calling them right now? What's going to make them say when they hang up, gee, I'm really glad that Patrick called. That was a good conversation. Or, you know, that's what that's how you want them to feel when you walk out. And I ask salespeople to do that. You know, when you walk out of the room, do you ever do you ever think about that? You know, I recall a, I recall an example where I was demonstrating a software product um, and I hadn't prepared myself all that well to an organization in Singapore. And we were doing it remotely and they had a conference phone in the middle of their table with the team gathered around and I was doing the presentation. We're sharing a screen and I went through it. Uh, they're asking questions and thank you, Pat. I thought it went reasonably well and I finished the call, but we didn't hang up the voice. The voice was on a separate thing. So I was able to hear what they said after the call. And the first thing they said was, well, he wasn't a very good salesman, was he? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Which made me think, I wonder how often when you walk out of the door, having had a conversation or hang up the buyer hangs up the phone, they say that. I would suggest it happens a lot, right? You just don't know. They don't mark your card. So I guess what it is, you don't want them to say that. You want them to, th- you want them when they hang up saying, well, that was a good half hour or we really enjoyed that. And so that's before you go in, have that sense. So oh. if you've got to follow them up, they said, firstly, if they say, look, I'm going to go and look around, then say, well, that's a great idea. That's what I do. That's a really good idea. Go around and have a look. Yeah. And uh, if you don't mind, I might give you a call in a week's time or so. Just see how you get on. I'd be interested to know what you've discovered. Yeah. No one's going to say no to that, are they? No. Well, I'm I'm not asking them. I don't want to know about other products you saw or uh, the prices. I want to know what have you learned more about solving your issue or your problem? I'd be really interested in in, uh, that feedback. Or is there anything I should know? Is anyone anyone else doing that's a good idea? What have you seen that you like? Mm. absolutely and make sure every engagement give them some value yes that's huge so that old hey patrick what do we need to do to get to, you know to, to do a deal today what how can we help to give you a deal today that's not really valuable is it that's <laughs> that's, that's all about you that's and that's a very good me. point alex that's a really good point you want to broadcast that also from the very first engagement so the minute you get on the phone or in their email that needs to be in the first sentence so they know it's worth staying on the phone. Mm. And similarly, when you call, uh, Alex, thank you for seeing me today. As we discussed, uh, you want to um, reduce your, your wastage of raw materials. So how I thought we could do this is, well, how about you explain to me what your challenges are, whatever. Maybe I can bounce a few ideas around. What I hope by the end of this meeting, you will know whether or not I might be of value to you. How does that sound? So broadcast up front, whether or not you might be of value to the buyer. Great line. Great line. And I know you don't like using lines, but it is a great line. It's a great, well, it's a great message, isn't it? It's a great um, ideology. Well, compared with going up and saying, uh, G'day, Alex, uh, how's your day been? And I'm the fourth person that day that's asked you that. Uh, so 
your mental trigger goes off and say, this is a typical salesperson again, mm. not focused. He's not here to get to do anything for me. And oh, and I'd just like to understand a bit more about your business. Oh, cry. He wants me to tell him all about me. What's in that for me? You know what I mean? And it goes downhill from there. So what's a flip side of that one? You, you've got a you got a phone number of someone who you know needs your service. Because I, I would generally probably do that. Hey, uh, hey, John, I noticed you downloaded this. You must be in the coaching space, interested in growing that business. Um, I'd love to know more about you and see if there's anything I could do to help. Right. How would you, how would you flip that one into a, a more valuable conversation starter? Yeah, I guess a couple of things. When 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 we suggest I might be able to help, that's actually there's a level of arrogance in that. People don't think of that, but the suggestion is that you think you can help. And you don't, in fact, know that at the moment, right? So um, it might be easier to say, yeah, um, I'm just curious to know, you know, what is your interest? What are the issues that you're dealing with? Or what is it about that download that attracted your interest? Mm. That, would, that would be so because given they downloaded something, that indicates there's an interest of something. So what was it that sparked your interest? And that gets the conversation going about them. Yeah. Super glad. I wrote a sales script for one of my team the other day and I used that exact line. So I must be on the right track. What was it that sparked your interest? Yeah, well, the interesting thing, you know, this is the irony of selling. We we sellers spend half our time buying anyway, right? Yeah. We're all buyers. And the irony is that we treat people like we wouldn't want to be treated. You know, in my courses, I often ask the question, would you buy from you? Hmm. And people say, no, <laughs> so, well, why do you keep doing it then? Think like a buyer. You know, if you want to catch fish, you go where the fish are. Think hmm. like a fish. So if you want to be a buyer, if you want to be a seller, think like a buyer. Don't be pushy. Don't be sleazy. Um, yeah. I love that. Well, that, that always helps. And no one likes being sold to, even if, unless you know you're being sold to and you stay on the line for some reason because the salesperson's doing such a good job. Always happens with me with wine, wine guys, wine salespeople. <laughs> They'll ring me and I'll know from the first second, but as soon as he says, hi, it's Barry. I'm like, oh, hello, Barry. <laughs> and then I've decided not to buy anything. And then by the end of every phone call, I've got a case on the way. He does great. <laughs> he does great and never tries to sell me anything. Um, this is all really, really great stuff, Patrick. Before we go, I just wanted to have another little chat because we speak to a lot of coaches on this podcast who sell every, you know, super tangible results like fitness and finances, also intangible results like confidence and clarity and mindset and happiness. Now you've said that um, an intangible benefit is not so much about the, the actual benefit, but the client's perception of it. Yeah. And I'd love to know what you mean by that and, you know, how, these coaches can start to sell more intangible benefits. Okay. I get the first thing to realize is value. Value, you can't create, add, propose, or sell value like a lot of people attempt to do. Value is received. It's in the eye of the beholder, right? I'm, you sell products or services, coaching, whatever. Whether or not the person receives value is their judgment, okay? So the first place to start is what is their perception of value? What is value to them? And so that's where that aspirational. So if it's a fitness coach and it's intangible, so, so tell me, everyone wants to be fit, but tell me sort of 
when you achieve the fitness level you achieve, what are you going to be able to do that you can't do now? Why do you want to be fit? And it could be they want to run around with their kids or I want to, I want to, I'm going on a skiing holiday or, and, and the value is going to be screaming down the black slopes or whatever. Now you, then you tap into that and understand that that's really what they want. They don't want to get fit. No one wants to get fit. That's hard yards. Or yeah. some people do, you know, the, the muscle press. It's a, what you want to know is why do they want to be fit? And uh, like Simon Sinek said, right? Start with why. Why do you want to be fit? And then help them achieve that aspiration. Then all the way through the engagement, you're helping them get on that skiing trip or you're helping them helping to see that they're going to get out and run around with their kids or do whatever it is that the other reason that they wanted to be fit. Okay. Or stave off some sort of infection or illness. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Ask me why. And I, I was even taught to ask why a couple more times. Why is yes. that important to you? Why is that important to you? Absolutely. And Absolutely. by by number three why number four you might have someone breaking down in your lap because you know their their dad left or whatever and are you yeah so that's like the five whys technique which is a founder of toyota came up with that idea you know five whys typically you don't need to, you may need to go more or less but you just nom- notional number why is that why is that to get to the bottom line exactly Alex. but we typically st- sales people typically stop at the need or oh, i can satisfy that and proceed to try and pitch something um you know, I tell a story. Another example was I went to buy a TV once. I, I don't know if you've got time for this, but I, yeah. I, did all, I did all the research, as you do, went online, decided what, what, what TV I wanted, went into a store. Um, guy said, Kai, can I help you? Yes, I want to buy TV. What sort of TV you've been looking at? Told him, okay, uh, what price you've been quoted? Will you tell me your price? Goes away to the computer, comes back. I can do this for that. This sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, no, 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 you need to be that. He said, oh, no, I can't do that. And I said, okay, walked out. Next door was a, a audiovisual store in, in Brisbane, fairly well-known one. I'd never been to it. Walked in. Guy came out and said, hi, how are you going? Um, I want to buy TV. What do you want a TV for? <laughs> well, watch stuff. He said, yeah, but what do you watch? I said, oh, well, sports. What type of sport? Uh, football. So fast-moving sports? I said, yes, football. He said, Okay. What type of a room have you got? How big is your room? How many people watch it? All that. He wanted to understand. Now, he's asking me about sport because he needed a fast refresh rate. How big was the room? Was to do with viewing angle? He wanted to understand my experience of owning a TV. So he said, well, you're going to need this and this and this, and you're going to need this. Would you like to know what types of TV would fit that? Yes, please. Showed me. I bought it. The point was he helped me buy my TV. He didn't sell me his TV. Hmm. And it was more expensive. It wasn't the one I was originally looking at. It cost a lot more money. And I even bought the extended warranty. And I never buy extended warranties. But that's how good he was. Simply because he sold you the TV you wanted rather than TV he needed to sell. I figured he understood what I needed. So I accepted his recommendation. Because he just sounded like he knows what I want. He's a better judge than I am. I didn't think of half this stuff when I looked online. And that's the difference, right? Because oftentimes sellers today, buyers today will form a, a judgment online and they'll go, mm-hmm. they'll contact you with a preconceived notion of what coaching course they need or what training program. And if you just come back and saying, well, it's the same as that one, just comes down to a price shootout. Yeah. Better off to say, well, um, why do you need, ask someone, why, why do you want to be fit? I bet no one ever asked that question. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
seems like a no-brainer, right? Yeah. Because oh, because I do. But that starts a conversation. Yeah, yeah, but I know that you want. What are you going to do when you get fit that you can't do now? Oh, I'm going to. Oh, and then ask, what's that feel like? Oh. Well, it'd be great, you know. I'll be able to show my kids how to ski, and oh yeah, that'd be. How many kids you got? Oh yeah, yeah. you're off to the races. Beautiful, beautiful, really, really nice stuff, man. And there must be a uh, a lot of people who have benefited an awful lot from your training at the moment. What, what sort of people are you coaching with your course for Sales Natural? A fairly eclectic mix, actually. Uh, salespeople um, from from all walks, from sole traders, photographers, um, uh, safety um, people doing implementation of security systems, um, or large complex sales. Um, uh, people who do large recruitments, um, events managers. Um, yeah, it, it's a very very eclectic mix all the way from sort of large complex deals through to uh, fairly straightforward things. And that's the beauty of it. And they're all in the program together. Um, and here's the coaching tip. Um, one of the things they do is role play. It involves a lot of role play because that's how you get good at selling is by practicing the process. That's really the key. And that's what a community enables you to do to set that up. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. We used to do a lot of role playing back when I was first learning this stuff on the phone, in person. Yeah. It's very scary, very weird, but very, very necessary. Because uh, then it's not so scary the next time you do it, right? No. And, and, and what are you afraid of doing in front of a colleague that you'd be happy to do in front of a live buyer? I mean, mm. why be scared? <laughs> yeah. I think there's something about pretending that makes people scared. I'm not sure what it is, but um, I've yeah. always felt, felt more awkward testing something out in front of a role play rather than live. But um, I think you're, you're afraid of looking silly, I suppose, but. Yeah. It's like watching yourself on video, which I recommend. And, you know, that's what scripted role playing in this day and age across zoom. You can see how you come across and you look at the replay and you think, geez, I can't believe I said that. Or <laughs> <laughs> Really? Yeah. I think it's very, it's very educational. <laughs> Absolutely. And no one likes their own face on camera or their own voice on microphone, but no. it's the best we can do. It's what we've got. It's what we've got. So Patrick, mate, thank you so much. That was just um, 40 minutes just flew by because I was getting just value upon value from that and exactly what I needed. Tangible, fantastic sales experience from someone with well over 20 years <laughs> of experience in the business, mate. Um We'll uh, we'll plug out all your link. You know, I know you're big on LinkedIn. We'll plug your LinkedIn on this. We'll get it. It's on LinkedIn live already. And uh, yeah, we'll put your notes. If anyone wants to reach Patrick, you can find him on LinkedIn as or the salesnatural.com.au, just .com. It's just .com. Salesnatural.com. We'll put it all in the links, guys. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much for being here today, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alex. Enjoyed it. Excellent. That's what we're here for. And anyone listening or watching live, thank you so much. We'll catch you next week with another episode of Coaches to the Moon. Uh, much love and peace out. Coaches to the Moon will be back next week. Until then, reach us on Facebook at To The Moon Digital Marketing.